Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tauber Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now, on to the show. Today's guest has been cycle touring since 2014. He is the host of the podcast called The Intrepid Global Citizen Podcast and has authored the book Unhinged in Ethiopia, 2,000 Kilometers of Hell and Heaven on a Bicycle. Welcome, George. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I love having other podcast hosts on the show because we flow well, we both have good equipment, you know, it's, it just seems to create a different level of communication. So I'm really glad to have you here. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. I'm happy to be here with you. So let's start with a little bit about you. Tell us where you're currently located and a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm in Seoul, South Korea, where I've been living for 15 years. Uh, I'm teaching at a university here, which uh, I'm really lucky to have this job because it gives me about four and a half to five months of paid vacation per year, which enables me to go on adventures and tour cycle and travel and do all the things that I love to do and uh, be the host of a podcast as well. So I'm I'm really fortunate, and uh, Seoul is a great place to to visit and to live. If all my friends that come out and visit me here, they all say, "Okay, I understand why you've been here for 15 years, and it'd be really easy to uh-huh. stay for for longer than that." So, what led you to Seoul? Uh, just I uh, wanted a change. I was working as an engineer in Detroit and took the kind of normal route of just graduating from university, finding a job, and uh, found myself like sitting in front of a computer all day long and just fantasizing about getting out there. And, you know, I after graduating, I visited Ecuador and was hiking up, you know, active volcanoes and and just, you know, stomping through the jungle and having all these adventures. And then I found myself in a cubicle a few weeks later, and I was just like, wow, this isn't the life for me. So I left that job behind and uh, came to Korea and was always interested in education and teaching through some volunteer work. I got involved in in, in Detroit as well in the inner city. And, um, and here I am 15 years later. Time just flies when you're having fun. Yeah, amazing. And what what led you? Let's let, let's go down the bike touring um, like rabbit hole. <laughs> what sure. led you to your first tour in 2014? Like, how did that develop? I mean, if you've had this time off in the summer, I'm assuming you've been cycling anyway. But what led to sort of that first longer tour? Yeah, that's a good question. I was it was kind of a spontaneous decision actually because I I was getting ready for one of my vacations and and I booked a ticket to Uzbekistan and wanted to you know go to Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan and check out the Pamir Highway, which is one of the the most famous places to go on a cycling tour. 
And uh, I was originally just going to backpack it, but then just kind of spur of the moment, maybe a week or so before I left, I said, hey, why don't I just take my beat up like used bike that was I think I paid 180 US dollars for it. It was a hybrid bike and just took a backpack with me and just totally unprepared and just said, let's do this for two months and see what happens. And uh, I just figured it'd be a great way to get out there and really enjoy the scenery and uh, and slow down a bit and enjoy nature and connect with local people more. And it was all all of that and more. So, and how yeah, long? And then was ever that? since then, I was I've been hooked since yeah, then. So. Yeah, right, exactly. And how how long was that first tour? Uh, that was about two months. Um, so I started out in in Tashkent and then went down to the border with Tajikistan and uh, cycled up the Pamir Highway through Osh and then back around to Tajkent again in, in a total of about two months. Yeah, and it was a learning experience. I didn't know what I was doing. I was ran out of water at one point and just had this like $20 tent that was had broken poles and uh, was just you know, knocking on, and I didn't have warm clothes either. I just figured, oh, it's summer, and uh, you know, <laughs> summer at at four thousand three hundred meters <laughs> is a bit different from summer in, in in Tashkent. So, so I was knocking on doors to find a warm place to sleep at night at times, and right. and uh, yeah, it was an adventure every day. Were you with it. warm showers at that time? No, I didn't have any idea about mm. warm showers at that time. I think I might have found out about warm showers on that tour just from meeting other cyclists there. And um, and then I started using warm showers where I hit a real home run with warm showers in, in Bangladesh of all, all places mm. because I was looking for a pl uh, contacting people just to buy a used bike in, in Dhaka in the capital. And uh, I contacted a guy. This was, I think, back in 2016, 2017-ish. It was like, just, hey, do you mind helping me, showing me, you know, where where can I get a cheap bike in Dhaka? And he just said, okay, I'll meet you, uh, meet up with you when you get here. And uh, And he ended up cycling with me for a week and introducing me to his friend. And his friend gave me one of his bikes. His friend had like several bikes and he just said hey what kind of bike do you usually tour on i said a hybrid and he turned his personal bike into a hybrid changed the tires around for me and uh and took me in with his family and and uh it was yeah that was just incredible yeah experience yeah that that sounds amazing and it does make such a difference when you start to connect with the community along the way and and people that you know understand your passion and want to just give you refuge for a little bit because they, they feel like they become a part of your journey. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And in, in Bangladesh, especially there's a big community called BD cyclists. They mm. have several Guinness world records. They have the longest uh, single file line of, of cyclists mm. in the world for a certain distance. So they have these like quirky world records because there's just it's such a huge, uh, you know, the most densely populated country in the world. It's just a, uh, yeah, fascinating place to be. Amazing. As well. Amazing. I'm just going to bear with me for one second. Sure. I just wanted to make sure that our settings were good. So those of 
those that are watching us on YouTube can make sure that they're seeing you. I'm not sure that they get to see just you. I was trying to take myself out of okay. the video, but I think I'm still going to be in it. So hello, everybody on, on camera. Um, all right. So George, talk to me a little bit about what happened next. So you did that first tour and then in 2016, you you ventured out again. Like what has your, like, what has your experience of touring been? Because of course I want to get to Ethiopia. So where, where did Ethiopia come into that plan? That's a good question. I've, I've always wanted to visit Ethiopia ever since I, uh, before I started tour cycling and was just, you know, backpacking and, um, I'd always been drawn to it, you know, just living in Michigan, especially there was an Ethiopian restaurant of all places that kind of drew me in. And it was a, a bit of a place of refuge where I could kind of, you know, experience a different culture and really enjoyed the food and started researching all about Ethiopia and just realized that it just has so much to offer. You know, it's, it has very little uh, influence, uh, European influence, and um, it's uh, the most mountainous country in Africa. And uh, and then I started reading, you know, I read some some books about other tour cyclists traveling, you know, doing the Cairo to Cape Town route, and they all have, uh, you know, didn't have very good things to say about Ethiopia because of the rock throwing children. <laughs> and ironically, that kind of like gave a light bulb went off in my head and said, wow, I need to I need to try this this place. You know, what's the worst that can happen? You know, these Internet stories are, you know, just don't read much good about Ethiopia, but it just sounds like such a fascinating place culturally and historically. Um, so I figured, OK, let me. You know, I'd been to my first trip was the Pamir Highway. I didn't know what I was doing. And then after that, I went I was in Oman and Bangladesh, Turkey, Xinjiang, China and um, Mongolia, Siberia, Russia before the war. Um, and then I said, OK, let's try a new continent. Let's go to Africa. And uh, Ethiopia is going to be the country for me and uh, what's the worst that can happen what doesn't kill me can only make me stronger right. so that's i i really kind of just struggled with okay what am i going to do about these kids that are throwing stones about you know i just hear horror stories about you know just uh just people getting stones thrown at them and one guy got attacked by a bunch of villagers and got beat up for retaliating and uh i said okay you know i've been a a meditator for you know six or seven years since then i was like okay let's see <laughs> let's put my meditation practice <laughs> to the test and right. see what happens so so what year did you plan to go when was that this was 2019 so mm. right before the pandemic okay and things were if you follow ethiopian like cur current events now right after i came back the the civil war started up again and it's just unfortunate. So I met a lot of great people there too. A lot of great friends that, you know, within the coming, you know, within the next year or so they would, con they contacted me and saying that they were essentially war refugees and mm. they, you know, just, just heartbreaking stories of people that were really, you know, warm hearted and helped me and, Okay, so let's hear let's way. hear the trip from like beginning to end. So you're meditating, preparing. You're like, okay, I'm gonna do this. 
you know, what doesn't, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. You were interested in yeah. Ethiopia. So I feel like you already had a heart connection, like, like deep in your heart for Ethiopia, even before you had been there, knowing that there was some external influences that had come in to kind of make you uh, feel some trepidation. Um, but she decided to do it. So how long were you going to go? Like, what was the planning for it like? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. The planning, there wasn't much planning, though. The most, the preparation I did mainly was was physically because my whole plan was, okay, I have to get in the best shape of my life in order to, like, outcycle these kids that are, like, <laughs> running through the mountains and eating, like, like uh, you know, protein and omega-3 packed injera that's like a superfood you know, that are, they've been grown up like in this high altitude environment. And I just would, I did like two workouts per day. So I'd go on a long run in the morning and then in the afternoon I'd do like uh, some pretty hard, like high intensity interval training. And my whole theory was, okay, I need to like outrun these kids, you know, and just physically be able to outdo them on a bike, even though they'll be on their feet, which is, you know, sounds kind of crazy but they're you know you'd be they can really get moving when they're when they're they start running so mm -hmm. that was my whole that was the most preparation that I was did the for prep, it. but yeah and the political situation was really shaky like some parts of ethiopia a few weeks before were closed because of tribal clashes and so it was really kind of spontaneous decision of which region of the country to visit as well right and so did you plan to just visit Ethiopia when you went there? Was that your primary focus? And how long were you planning to be there? Yeah, it was only Ethiopia. I was uh, got a round trip from the capital, Addis Ababa to Seoul, and that was my focus. It was about five weeks long, and um, and I just didn't really have a, a set plan until I arrived and just got local advice on the political situation at the time and ended up cycling north up to the border with Sudan, the Tigray province, which is uh, in the news quite a bit recently mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. um, with the civil war. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, that was that was how my trip went, essentially. So you started, you went up to the north and... What was it like? What was your five weeks? And, and, and we don't want to give too much away because we really want people to buy the book. So we're going to put the link to the book in the show notes. But give us the like the high level summary. Was it what you expected it to be? Yeah, it was everything and more, you know, like. Um, Did you get chased was, by kids? Did you get chased by kids? I got rocks? chased by kids every single day, especially, you know, on the way to Lalibela, which is like a, a UNESCO world heritage site. It's a rock home church, like made from a single rock. And that road is, was just like, wow, the worst nightmare I'd ever experienced. Like I had 30 kids chasing me at one point and, um, and, and then my rack, like my rear rack, like just collapsed into my tire as these kids were chasing me. And they were trying to push my my bike off of this cliff, you know, off these switchback roads. So it's not just, okay, let's go up some switchback roads and at 3,500 meters altitude. It's like, okay, you're going uphill and now there's kids there and they're trying to push you and mm -hmm. you, you could tumble off that cliff. So this is what I had to deal with. 
And on that particular stretch of road, I had 30 kids chasing me at one point and my rack collapsed into my tire. And, uh, and then it was, it was actually funny. They all stopped and, and just kind of were surprised and didn't know what to do and looked at each other. And then they tried to help me. They were like, okay, let's, let's help this guy out. So they had like this, they like gave me this quick fix, temporary fix. They all kind of fixed my rack together. And, uh, and then I kept going on, on the bike and then some of them disappeared and got tired. And then some of them kept chasing me along and, and it started all over again. So it was just like their, it's their way of playing really in a, in a different way. That's what I was going to ask. Like in your time there, were you able to maybe get to the heart of why? I mean, the rock throwing seems different than chasing. Um, but, yeah. but did you did you understand more of like why why this this particular culture these children do that with cyclists? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I the only reason I could you know see was I saw you know quite a few adults doing that to children too. Um, you know, throwing rocks at children when they were getting angry. So I figured, okay, they see adults and their parents throwing rocks at them. So they just figure, okay, it's just a way of, of, uh, of playing or a way of expressing your anger and, or, or the you know, fact that you were a foreigner, you know, it could be something yeah. like that. And are we talking like small rocks, like pebbles that are just like annoyance? Or are we talking big rocks where if it like hit you in we're, the eye, you would be injured? Yeah. We're talking rocks of all sizes. I mean, wow. golf ball size rocks, we're talking tennis ball size rocks here. Um, I've heard stories of, you know, cyclists getting like knocked off their bike and like just having to go to the hospital with pretty serious injuries. Uh, but luckily that didn't happen. Um, so, but yeah, one, at one point on that road, I just had to say, you know, throw my hands up and, and hitch a ride and just be like, I need to get off this road. Right, it's, it's right. Terrible. And so that was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I guess rock bottom, but I was, you know, I was lucky to, to get out of it like that. But then that same day, uh, I just, it was such a tiring day. I hitched a ride to the town and, um, and I just wanted to go to, and just get a, a, a room and stare at a wall. Basically I was so like mentally exhausted and psychologically drained and uh, so I started go for a walk, look for something to eat, and was just going to go back to the room and and relax. And uh, and then I hear this voice from below, "Hey, hey, hey, Faranji," which means like foreigner in in uh, in Amharic, the local language. And then, it, but I heard music blasting from below, and then lo and behold, it was this like wedding party. And this guy invited me to a, a, a wedding party right there, like right after, mm. you know, a few hours later. And uh, I was just having the best time. He was trying to hook me up with his sister and, <laughs> and like, hey, you know, she's single, you know, <laughs> hey, when you go back to the Capitol, she'll cook you dinner and, and you guys should go dancing together. And and so it was just like total, like like the subtitle says, like hell and heaven, heaven every single day mm. there. And uh, that's just a microcosm of life. You know, I felt like it was life experience at an accelerated rate. That's mm -hmm. what life is about, right? Mm -hmm. So.
Today's episode is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment, and you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact, and every Bike Flights shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used Bike Flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009, and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. So if everyone, anyone wants to read more about George's experience in Ethiopia, we'll, we won't give you any more teasers. Go get the book. It's going to be in the show notes and read more about George's experience. And thank you for sharing that, George. I, I think it's really fascinating that you selected a location that you knew was going to be a challenge, but something that you were interested in and you endured, you know, both the hardships and the extreme joy, like all at the same time in five weeks. <laughs> And yeah. I, I look forward to reading your book. I will also use the link. And I love hearing stories, especially about various parts of Africa, because they're so different. Um, and I have some experience in Kenya. I've been to Kenya several times, so I would love to learn more about Ethiopia. Okay. Which part of Kenya have you been to? In Nairobi. I worked on a um, uh, an international project with a city in China and a city in the U.S. and a city in the Africa. It was a trilateral relationship project. And um, it was really, really amazing to see three totally different cultures come together to work on a specific project. It was from the political level to the business level to the community level to the real grassroots level of what nonprofit impact really looks like. So it was it was really fascinating for me to be able to interact in various levels in the community. It was pretty it was pretty amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a few months later, I cycled across uh, Kenya too, actually, mm. and up to Lake Turkana in the Turkana province, if you're familiar with that area, mm-hmm. which was it has its own set of, of uh, challenges too. But All uh, very different. Yeah, it's like I'm very, sure, very I'm different. Sure heard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, did sure. you get up to Turkana when you mm, were there? No, definitely not. I traveled with a lot okay. of different international delegations, so we were pretty restricted on where we were oh, allowed to actually um, visit. But yeah, it was all it was all very, very eye opening for sure. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, definitely. Let's switch topics because I know we're running short on time, but I do want to hear about this intrepid global citizen podcast. What an interesting name! I love the name so much, and to have the word intrepid in it create like immediately invokes a reaction. So tell us about when did it start and why did you start a podcast? Yeah, sure. This started, you know, with, uh, it was basically a pandemic podcast, uh, who's stuck in home here in Korea in my apartment and just missed the conversations that I'd have, I'd had on the road, you know, with other cyclists and adventurers and, and just miss those connections. So I figured, hey, you know, I can use social media and connect with others and share others' experiences and lessons learned through, through you know, Zoom, just like we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's really been a pleasure to to connect with others, like-minded people, and, um, and also, you know, have them share their experiences with others that might be, you know, more hesitant to take the first step to get out there. 
on the bike and and go for their adventure. Is it so, is it bike touring specific? Uh it's adventure travel. So adventure we have some travel, walkers yeah. there. Yeah. We have uh mainly tour cyclists. There's one guy that was walking from uh he's been walking for 30 years and he's trying to go from uh the southern tip of Patagonia all the way up to back to England basically walking. And he, he won't go back home until he does it by foot. And he crossed the Darien Gap by wow. foot. And like when they're during the Civil War in Colombia and, wow. and was, the, was the first guy to cross the Bering Strait to on foot. He set a Guinness record and and uh and now he's I think he's cycling or he's swimming across the Caspian Sea. So he's on that leg of his journey now. Wow. Um, so yeah, we just get a lot of uh yeah, and some people that uh, I've connected with have been on the podcast as well, like one of my friends that I met in in uh Ethiopia on my first day cycling was a guy named Tetsuya from Japan and um and he was just trying to get the hell out of Ethiopia basically. <laughs> <laughs> he had always already been there for a few weeks and and I met him on the, my first day and he was just, uh, he just, he just thought it was so funny that I wanted to focus on Ethiopia yeah. while he was trying to get out yeah. and get to Sudan as soon as he could. Yeah. So, so he was on the podcast too. And that was fun just to rehatch some of the stories with him. And, uh, and yeah, just people I've met on the road too have been guests and, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to catch up and, and uh make new connections and some of your guests on the podcast too have also been on 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 the intrepid global citizen podcast like sana and benjamin from oh, yeah. um from sweden that are going for human rights for western sarara that they stayed at my apartment a few weeks ago they were in seoul actually mm. so that was great just to connect on the podcast and then have and be able to host people meet them in person too I love it. You're, you know, George, your your sweet spot is definitely sharing stories, right? The storytelling piece of it. It's like a, a part of a part, one of your zones of genius and you're doing great work. And I really appreciate the effort and time as a podcaster. I know that goes into creating the shows and sharing stories. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Sure. Thanks. Thanks to you too for for doing all this all this service here yeah. for warm showers. I know a lot of people really appreciate it. Mm. So yes, thank you. We we we. It's a labor of love, right? We do it because we love it, and we're invested. And it's especially this show. It's one of my most favorite things with warm showers as part of my duties. Because yes, I do a lot of administration, right? I do a lot of back end sure. work, uh, but this part is fun because I get to connect with people all over the world and share their experiences, not just with me, but with everyone else. So I, I always enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for your service and all that work. Yes. And I'm going to put the link to the Intrepid Global Citizen podcast, both in, if you're watching this on YouTube, it'll be below. And if you're just listening to this, check out the show notes. We'll put all the links on how you can find George on his social media and both his book and his podcast, and you can connect with him further. So thank you so much, George. Sure. Thanks for having me. And for those of you listening, you know that sharing is caring. So if you love this show, please feel free to share it with somebody that you think would enjoy listening or watching or learning more about 
bike touring, or of course, hosting. You do not have to be a cycle tourist in order to open your doors and experience the world through others' experiences as they're on their journey. I know for me as a host, it's one of the most amazing things to have visitors from all over come through and and share their perspective, their journey. It's so delightful. So you are welcome to be a host, even if you haven't cycled toured before. So thank you for listening. And thanks again, George. Thanks. Yeah. And we will be back again soon. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.